Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to episode 59 of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I speak to Elise Downing. I first heard of Elise when her brilliant book Coasting landed on my doormat. Elise is the youngest person ever to run the coast of Britain, and she has written a masterful memoir of that experience, detailing the literal and figurative ups and downs in the kind of voice that makes you want to go for a pint with her. What makes that feat even more remarkable, as I discovered during this discussion, is that she set out with very little preparation and absolutely no idea about what such a thing would entail. She tells me about that, about the enthusiasm of her mentor, Anna McNuff, but also Anna's horror at how little planning Elise had done beforehand, how she trained on the job, on becoming a fully paid-up member of the Yes Tribe, and the problem with cows. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than two ninety five a month. Just enter WRPod at the checkout at shop.womensrunning.co.uk for your discount. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. I was going through your Instagram and I'm, um, you know, stalking uh, as, as you tend to do kind of thing. And um, just realised, I think you're based near me. I'm in Bath. Oh, yeah, I'm in Bristol. <sighs> That's really close. I, I saw that you'd been running on the Portishead kind of coastal yeah. bit. And I did that a couple of weeks ago. I literally love it there. Like, it really feels like you're on the coast path. I know, like, the Seven Channel's a bit murky. It's not the best bit of coast. But yeah. I don't know, like, when, whenever I do that bit from like, Portishead to Clevedon, um, yeah, it's so nice. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, and Clevedon is not like, quite, really yeah. It just was like really far away from Bristol and like Bath and I don't know. You're like I'm at the sea. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. Yeah, my my mother-in-law lives in Porter's Head and it doesn't feel at all like we're anywhere near Bristol. Yeah. It, it does feel like a little mini holiday. Yeah, no, it's really nice there. How long have you lived in Bath? Are you from? There? Oh no, I'm well. I'm from London, um, <laughs> but I've lived in Bath for most of my life now. So yeah, yeah I just kind of 
yeah what about you have you are you have you always been in Bristol no I moved here about 18 months ago I'm from Northampton middle of the Midlands but um I lived in London for seven eight years can't remember and then moved to Bristol yeah just before just pre-pandemic and I think I expected to go back to London or I was like oh it's not very far I'll end up going back to London all the time and then went full cold turkey on my old life (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Yeah, where, whereabouts in London were you living? Um, just before I moved, I was in Walthamstow, but before that, I lived in the southwest mostly, so Battersea, um, Wandsworth, um, yeah. kind of around there. So hopped around a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's it's lovely to escape, isn't it? Once you've done it, I honestly, think. I I think I knew it. Well, I knew I wanted to leave London for a few years, and I cried wolf a few times. My friends wouldn't let me have a leaving party when I eventually left because they said I told them I was leaving so many times. <laughs> and then, I I think I knew, like, I definitely knew I wanted to leave, but once I left, I like I've not had a single moment of wishing I lived there again. And whenever I do go back for a weekend, I'm like, I'm so glad I don't live here. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there are definitely bits that I miss definitely bits I miss and I do sort of pop back quite often like for work and stuff like that but one of the I think I feel like one of the nicest feelings I ever experience is being on the train and coming and and kind of the bit between Swindon and Bath whatever you know you just look at you say ah you know yeah (laughs) I'm back I just love the novelty of like um like in Bristol like you can just be some you can pop places it's not like an hour's journey I think that's the thing I love the most like if someone says do you want to come around for a cup of tea and it's like yeah it would take me five minutes to cycle there yeah I'll just pop around for half an hour yeah like, the novelty has not worn off I just love how quick it is to get to everywhere yeah it's awesome it's absolutely awesome and um well I just I want to talk about your book I think is the thing if that's all right if I can just launch straight into it yeah, of yeah. course. That, you know that's I, I discovered that you're you're you know a brizzle babe but also that um yeah so I, I was sent a copy of this book it's absolutely lovely I really oh, really nice. enjoyed it I love the fact that it just I don't it feels like it's written by a mate you know you've got a really nice voice in it it's really kind of friendly and and comforting even though you're going through all this stuff all this yeah. stuff thanks um, so, honestly it feels mad the thought I don't know in my head I wrote it in my living room and it feels a bit mad the idea that people are actually reading it but whenever anyone says anything nice I'm like yay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean yeah well because you know I'm a trapped novelist um I would I would love to know about the process of writing it but I'll ask you that in a bit I want to ask about the kind of the subject of it first of all so it's called coasting yeah um and it details that you'll run around the coast of Britain like the whole coast like all of it right (laughs) (laughs) I think that what immediately struck me is I mean is you're young like you're really young and when I hear about people doing challenges like FKTs and stuff like that, it does tend to be people who are a little bit older, you know, yeah. in their 30s or 40s, you know, let's just, let's just do this thing, post kids kind of thing. Um, but you're really young and you decided to take on this massive, massive challenge. Why? Why did you do that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes looking back, it feels like a bit of a weird dream. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And honestly, I think a large part was ignorance was bliss. I really didn't (laughs) know what I was taking on. (laughs) I think so when I, yeah, when I set off, I was 23. um, And I think I just always liked the idea of like doing something. I'd always liked the idea of like, I don't know, going on a big adventure or whatever. I'd never thought in any detail about what that might actually involve or be. Mm. And I wasn't... I wasn't at all a sporty kid. I hadn't done lots of running as a child. I'd like 
kind of really just started running but I'd started following all these people online doing all these huge adventures people like Anna McNuff who was running the length of New Zealand at the time and I just I think I just finished university I was working um, in London doing my first graduate job and I just had that feeling which it feels like such a cliche to say but just a bit of like this is not all it cracked up to be like I hate it like I was getting paid abysmally spending my whole life commuting working really long hours and I was just like, this can't, this can't be it. Um, and just the thought of sitting behind that desk for another 40 or 50 years just felt like mind blowing. Mm. And then I kind of just had the idea of live, of running around the country. I was literally sitting at work one day and we were, I worked for a food company and we delivered things to customers and I was working out if we could deliver something to someone in the Highlands. And the idea, it's just popped like fully formed really into my mind. Like, oh, and yeah, I just I think yeah, it was just following other people going on these long runs. So people like Anna McNuff, and I was like, oh, well, if they can do these things, like maybe I could do it. Totally misguided logic because Anna McNuff is an ex-GB rower. <laughs> Her parents are both Olympians. Like, <laughs> I was definitely starting from a bit of a different starting point. But I didn't realise that at the time. So yeah, and I just kind of had this idea, and it just seemed like a bit, I don't know. It always seemed like a bit more of like an acceptable way to sort of like quit my whole life because I kind of like I've been to university I've done a little bit of traveling and stuff and I felt like I can't just like quit my job and go mm. I don't know I was like if I got a big adventure that's like a really plausible reason to quit my whole life so that was kind of it really so were you a big runner N- no so I'd ran a bit so the idea this idea to run around the country popped into my mind in it was about March 2015 and I'd started running in January of 2013. So two years before that. But mm. I was saying my dedication to doing any kind of training was poor. I, lo- I really liked the idea of running. And I, I spent a lot of time like reading running blogs and reading about all these people doing running. And, and it seemed like they all got so much out of it. And it seemed like this magical thing. And I really, I think I wanted to be that person. But at the time, like, I just hadn't, it wasn't like, I hadn't got into the habit of doing it kind of day to day. And it just, and a lot of my, my friends weren't runners then, like it wasn't a big part of my life. Mm. So I'd done a few half marathons, one absolutely disastrous marathon where I really hadn't done enough training. I was dressed as a Crayola crayon <laughs> to raise money for charity. And it was the Milton Keynes Marathon, which no offense to the Milton Keynes Marathon organizers is one of the most boring race routes in the world. <laughs> and it, um, and I just spent like eight miles crying, running along dual carriageways. Oh. A small child heckled me and called me the crying crayon. Um, <gasps> and yeah, which oh. was stuck with me. And so I've done that and I hadn't done any ultra running. So yeah, that was my running career really. So I, sometimes, I think I always say I wasn't a runner at all, but obviously, I don't know if you've done a marathon, I guess you are a runner, but I definitely wasn't an experienced ultra runner. I hadn't done multi-day races or... Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know a lot of this stuff existed I think if I knew how much there was to the whole world of ultra running I probably would have realized how out of my depth I was but um I just didn't know but and how were your family when you when you spoke to them about it are they particularly sporty were they encouraging yeah so my family are definitely so my brother's always been a runner he coaches a running group he he runs fast and does like track running and stuff my other brother and my mum and dad are both runners my mum started when I think she was about 40 when she started but she's pretty rapid she's quite good um and and my dad kind of ran a bit to kind of keep fit and I'd roped him into doing a couple of races for instance the, I made him dress in fairy wings and a tutu for the race that I was dressed as a crayon a crayon he had more enough, he yeah. didn't cry <laughs> um, so yeah my family is definitely quite 
they were all runners and we'd always done a lot of like when I was like I always think like oh, I wasn't a sporty kid at all and I really wasn't but equally like we did do a lot of like walk going on walks and walking up mountains and stuff when I was a kid which I think I sort of probably underestimated how much that like plants a seed of just like even I moaned about it the whole time and my dad thinks it's hilarious that this is my whole life now (laughs) but um so when I told them I think they were just a bit bemused like I just don't think they really thought it would happen like my brother especially was just like you were what what so I think they were surprised but um I don't think it was really till I got to the start line that any of my friends and family really thought I was serious about this I think they just thought it was a bit of a joke and you also I mean there were other people that you were speaking to uh, to kind of bore you up you've mentioned Anna McNuff and she ended up kind of like almost mentoring you in a little way I think definitely how, how did you arrange that so Anna, basically, um, she was a, a friend of a friend. And when I said I was going to do this thing, my, my friend said, oh, you should um, get in touch with my friend Anna. So I sent her this email. I think I've put a snippet of it in the book. Like, hi, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And then, and she literally, I am terrible at emails at the best of times, but Anna was literally in the New Zealand bush at the time. And it emailed <laughs> me back almost instantly. Like, yes, this is a great idea. And I think probably because unlike my friends and family, I guess like random people in the adventure community probably didn't realize maybe quite how unprepared I was so she was just so enthusiastic and was like go and do it um and then when she got to the next city got to Wellington the next city she skyped me from New Zealand and like talked me through it and she was just amazing and then when she got back to London we like met up a few times and I think mostly because she was a bit horrified by how little planning I'd done when it got to about a month before we went to Leon one day and um had some sort of salad for dinner and she got her laptop out and made like a spreadsheet for me of like the first week and she was just yeah like honestly if it wasn't for the support of people like that and if you adventure community like they were so welcoming I don't know I feel like maybe there's a bit of a thing in some industries that people aren't I don't know they're very welcome and they don't want people to come in but every single person I spoke to was just like this is so exciting do it which was amazing really I think I think um yeah, my experience is that crazy ultra runners are among the friendliest, nicest yeah. people I think I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I've thought about this a little bit more recently, probably because I've spent more time talking about it because of the book. And I don't know if it's because when you kind of chat to more people doing these kind of things, you realise that especially a lot of ultra runners don't necessarily come from the like super sporty, like running cross country background. Yeah. Like, some do. And I think it's maybe that thing of them realising that they haven't always done like anybody can. I think I like I genuinely believe if I could run around a country anyone could basically and mm. I think lots of ultra runners do kind of have that attitude like they know that they're not necessarily it's just it's just something anyone could do and it's actually a lot more accessible almost so I think maybe that's part of it yeah well sort of accessible I, I mean like <laughs> you were running some like incredible mileage on some of those days yeah. how did you train for doing all that kind of back-to-back running so very much trained on the job I had all these grand plans of training before I went and it just it just didn't really happen as was the story of my life at the time (laughs) so but I think the good thing is if you're obviously going to do like a single day race or a week-long challenge you need to like hit the ground running be able to do those distances from the outset whereas I had 10 months to play with and so I really just started really slowly like a lot of the days at the beginning I was doing like less than 10 miles sometimes especially on the southwest coast path where it was super hilly and in the middle of winter very muddy like a lot of it 
wasn't really runnable. So I was doing a lot of walking up hills and sliding down them. Mm. It was really just, I guess, although it was quite it was quite like an extreme way to do it. I think in a lot of ways I was almost training in the way they sort of tell you to, like I was building up the distances quite gradually over the course. Like my pace was like really slow. I was having a lot of breaks, eating a lot. So yeah, it was quite a gradual, gradual increase. And yeah, I physically, like I really didn't start from like a good starting point. So (laughs) I somehow managed to get to the big distances at the end. It did. Yeah. It it read like it. And I think, I mean, I was really interested in that too. Like you just mentioned that the kind of, when you're sort of living in the middle of Bath, for instance, or middle of London or whatever, you don't necessarily think that the coast is really, really uppy-downy, but it really, really is, isn't it? And plus you have a camber as well to cope with. I mean, what what was that like? Did you expect that? Did you know? Did you know that that was going to happen? I think, so I went to university in Plymouth um, and that was when I started running. And so I'd done a little bit of running on the coast path around there. So I, I kind of knew it wasn't just going to be like a flat prom the whole way around. Yeah. I think I definitely didn't realise, yeah, quite how hilly it would be. And I remember there was one bit where my dad came to stay with me somewhere in Cornwall and he was marathon training at the time and like desperate to run a sub three. And he went out to do a four mile easy training run. He's like, I'll be back in half an hour. And then about an hour later, he arrived back like <laughs> covered in mud. And he was like, it's not flat out there, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not <laughs> and I think um yeah it definitely was a surprise it's like yeah I think the southwest coast path which goes from Dorset to Somerset you cover the elevation of Everest like four times or something it's not wow. out there yeah. um and I think especially in the winter yeah when it was super muddy it was just like I mean I fell over about five times a day I slid around most of it yeah <laughs> I'm sure you did um, but I mean I'm so envious of it I'm, I'm just envious of of the you know the time that you had in order to do it and the places yeah. that you must have seen as well I mean you must have seen some absolutely beautiful places were there were there parts of the UK that you know that surprised you in terms of how beautiful they were yeah definitely and I definitely feel very like I don't know lucky to have spent literally 10 months of my life like running around the coast of Britain I think that and that was definitely like a positive thing when I was so young I just 10 months felt like nothing it didn't seem like anything to sort of take 10 months out of my life in a way that even like six years later I'm not sure I'd be that up for um so it was yeah like definitely feel very lucky to have seen so much of the coast um I think there were the I mean my favorite part I've already mentioned it a few times by far was the southwest coast path it's just beautiful and I think the, the thing that's really special about it is that there are lots of other places like in Scotland for instance where the coast is stunning, but you're not necessarily always right on it. Like there's not that infrastructure of trails and paths. So you might be having to run on a road a bit more inland or whatever. Yeah. Whereas the Southwest Coast Path, you're literally, for the most part, the paths cut into the cliff and you're like there and the sea's on your left and like the land's on your right. And I just, th- I think it's like one of the most special things we've got in the UK. It's so so well maintained. It's such a fantastic resource. Um mm. But yeah, that, pretty much like the, uh, there's just something about like water and land that just is quite beautiful. So even the not so good bits were still quite nice. Mostly yeah. <laughs> it was more it was like industrial sort of like urban bits that were the worst. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. I I did wonder, though, I mean, you know, this is 10 months. This is lots of you running. And I know that some that people did occasionally join you on route, but that must have been a lot of time on your own. Did you get lonely? Yeah, I don't, 
I don't ever necessarily feel lonely, but I will say that running around the country and writing a book are very similar and that you spend a lot of time <laughs> on your own, in your own head, and you don't realize how annoying you are to spend a lot of time talking to yourself. Um, I think I actually almost the opposite, quite, quite often felt a lot of pressure when people came to join me because it, I don't, which was ridiculous because they definitely didn't expect this, but in my head, I had to give them almost like this amazing like tour guide experience of being on an adventure and then often people come around it'd be rubbish weather and like we'd get a bit lost and I just I found it almost and I felt like people I don't know people would turn up like in their like ultra packs looking like real runners and I was like am I just gonna like let you down and going really slowly and like so I found it uh, I made a lot of pressure for myself sometimes when people came to run with me so actually I think sometimes I find it easier when I was on my own because I think I got to the point a few months in where I was like I'm, I'm doing this like, I clearly can do it and I think I did I had like my little routines and I knew like how fast to go and when I'd stop for a snack and stuff and I sometimes found yeah it, a bit of pressure trying to like I didn't I felt like people come in expecting me to be this like ultra explorer which I don't think they were but um in my head they were <laughs> was there anything else that surprised you I mean as you were as you were sort of taking on this huge challenge did anything surprise you about you or about the landscape as you were running it um I think the main thing that surprised me about me was well just just that I could do it I guess I feel like I had this idea and then I just when I first started like pl- saying I was going to do it and planning it I kind of it just felt like quite far even though it was only six months before it just felt like this thing that I didn't really think through I don't think like the practicalities of doing it and then there was this quite nice moment like a few months in where I was like I'm actually doing this I'm I'm running this and and I guess I can do it um so yeah I think that was quite nice and I think just the sort of knowledge that you can like have a bit of a mad idea and it doesn't matter if you're like completely unqualified for it (laughs) you just go and have a go um but I think in the landscape I don't not the landscape necessarily but I think the main thing that surprised me was just how nice people were to me like you've just mentioned people coming to run with me and it was I think it was Anna McLuff again actually who um, I feel like my whole book is basically like an ode to Anna um, <laughs> and every podcast I do. <laughs> yeah right. she mentioned before I went because she'd done lots of traveling in like the states and New Zealand and various other places she was like you'll be blown away by how kind people are and I was like that won't happen in the UK don't be silly um and then I started kind of posting videos on my Facebook page mostly just my friends and family to see my brother spammed every like running forum on Facebook with my page he was my biggest like hype man and and people started to follow it and stuff and through that and friends of friends I ended up staying with hundreds of strangers and pitching my tent like less than a third of the time and I just was overwhelmed by like how welcoming and kind people were when I was just like doing this thing and I didn't know what I was doing and it was just yeah like very heartwarming how how nice people were to me basically and and kind of to to zoom you right back to the other side of that feeling yeah what were the very worst bits about doing it because I'm sure there were a few yeah I think the worst thing really is just the like monotony of it like I think on big adventures and I've kind of spoken to other people who've done different things whether that's like walking cycling rowing an ocean whatever it is a lot of it is not that exciting like I think you think about someone being an adventurer and I think every moment's like packed with action and a lot of it's just like plodding along one foot in front of the other like often in rubbish weather and and I think it was just that like sort of endlessness of it and now I remember there was a moment where I was about a thousand miles in, I was a couple of months in and I was like, 
and it was the winter was really hard it was just I had wet feet for for months on end and I just Mm. remember thinking like if I'd told people that I was going on a 1,000 mile run, everyone I know, it almost like it's the same as 5,000 miles. Like it's just in the like really long way category. Yeah. It was like, if I just told people I was going on a 1,000 mile run, I'd be done now. And everyone would be just as impressed. I'd be just as impressed. It was like, why did I bite off something quite so huge? And it just felt like I was going to be running forever. And I think that was the hard bit. And then it like there was kind of a real turning point somewhere in Scotland where the weather became incredible and I suddenly I was over halfway I had less to do than I had to go and that like endlessness of it stopped like went away and that's when I think I started to really enjoy it I started to think I'm going to do this for another even at the time it was like a a long amount of time it was like two or three months it did sort of feel like being on the home straight so at the beginning it was just like staring down the barrel of this endless run I was like (laughs) And also at the time, because I'd like built up quite slowly in terms of mileage, I was like, I didn't know at that point that I would get to the point where I could quite easily do sort of like 20, 30 miles most days. So I was like, if I'm still going at 10 miles a day, this is going to take me forever. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, why? I mean, why Why did you choose that massive thing other than, you know, over over than something like a thousand miles? Was it like, is it like a sort of, is it, was it your gap year? Was it your kind of, did you find yourself in some way? Yeah, I think. Well, I think first of all, it was just it was just the idea I had. Like, I it wasn't like I was like I'm going to go on a running adventure and sat down and made a big list of ideas. Yeah. The idea of running around the British coast was the first thing that I came up with, really. And there was something that just really I don't know that what it was really. It was something that just really appealed to me about particularly doing that journey. And also, I think in terms of kind like it. It is quite like frivolous thing to do, I guess. And I was like, if I quit my job and move out of my flat to go away for a month, that feels a bit extreme. Whereas it felt like a kind of plausible reason to quit my whole life, basically, to go away for 10 months almost. Um, So I think, yeah, it made it seem like a more sensible decision. (laughs) I don't know if it was. (laughs) I think, honestly, it was just the idea I had. And I was like, I'm going to do that. Did you have any rest days? Yeah, so I had most weeks, I think I had a rest day and then two or three times I had like a few days off to get like a few more days, usually when like my parents or a couple of times my friends came to visit and then I'd sort of take up to a week off with them. But yeah, most days I had at least one rest day Um, and I generally planned that for, because I, I stayed with so many amazing people and sometimes, especially if it was like a friend of a friend or something, they'd say, you're like welcome to stay for two nights and then especially in the winter when it was obviously a bit grim just sitting in your tent literally all day for a rest day I would kind of time it for when there was somewhere to be because I think that was one of the other hardest things about it it's just especially that even on days I was running quite long distances it doesn't necessarily take a huge there's still a lot of day left and it was like working out what to do with myself for the rest of those hours in the day that was kind of especially in the winter was difficult yeah yeah when you don't have a home to go to yeah yeah I do now (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why I ended up spending more money than I thought I would because I spent a lot more time sitting in cafes drinking coffees charging my phone than I expected to because yeah yeah you had to go somewhere you have to go somewhere I spent a lot of time walking around supermarkets as well my mum always jokes that she dreaded it when I phoned her when I was in a supermarket because she was like I don't want a description on everything in the aisles of Asda (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she once hung up on me to do the washing up because she said it was so boring <laughs> <laughs> um 
that I was reading something um, in your book where you were talking about the dread of um, like the first night that you were going to pitch your tent. Yeah. And I could, I really felt that. What, what did that feel like? Was that, was that horrible? Yeah. So I think, I guess I just kind of thought that because I'd not, I'd done a bit of camping like, with my family and with friends, but never, I'd never world camped alone. And I think I just had in my head that I would set foot on this adventure and I'd suddenly become really brave and adventurous and I'd be happy to put my tent up in a ditch anywhere. And mm. surprise, surprise, that didn't happen. <laughs> and I think I just, and especially because over the, over the winter, like I said, people were just so kind to me. And especially over the winter when it was kind of off peak season everywhere, quite a few like hostels and B&Bs let me have a room while they were empty. And it almost got to the point where I put off pitching my tent so much that it just became this like thing in my head. And the first night I eventually did it, I, I booked into a campsite so I didn't have to do it just like on the side of the road. Mm. And it was actually almost a bit of a relief when it came. because it's like, I think I kind of beat myself up a bit about not being adventurous and not camping over the winter. So when I eventually put my tent up, I was like, oh, right, I'm on an adventure now. <laughs> and actually I had some like really great nights camping but it definitely just became a bit of a mental block almost um but also I, th- I think there's this thing when you and obviously sometimes on a big adventures like it, it's necessary like you go places you can only camp or obviously obviously often it is like a budget thing because there was not a plan to camp because there was no way I could afford to stay somewhere mm-hmm. every night for 10 months but I also think it's maybe fine to not want to do that like it's fine to want to go for a long run but want to like stay places in between and especially on shorter things when that's not such a huge cost so I think I probably like didn't need to beat myself up about it too much but in my head I wasn't doing the adventure properly because I wasn't camping oh I think you were um I think um another thing that crops up in the book quite a bit is the yes tribe what is that so the Yes Tribe is basically, so there's um, Dave Cornthwaite is a, an adventurer and he he was, I think he's still doing it. He's basically, his thing was trying to do 25 journeys of 1,000 miles or more human powered. So he's done like a swimming one, cycling. Then he's done some like really mad modes of transport, like weird bikes that you pedal on the water and <laughs> loads of random things. And he'd had this kind of almost like, initiative thing called say yes more trying to encourage people to go say yes more literally as it says on the tin and go on adventures mm. and that summer just before I set off in 2015 he was spending the summer in the UK and he decided to um, just invite people on his Facebook page to go camping for the night with the idea to like get a bit of a community together and even though this was only kind of five or six years ago there really wasn't there didn't seem to be like quite as at least not that I know of quite as many of like kind of communities like that now like now this in London especially there's so many like running tribes and like adventure communities all around the place but yeah at least they're not that I know of there didn't seem to be quite as many then um Mm. and I saw this post on his Facebook page and at the time again my friends just weren't really into adventure stuff like I didn't know as many people doing that kind of thing and I thought I'd already decided I was going to do this run and I thought it'd be nice just to kind of meet some people who didn't think it was a completely ridiculous idea and and it, honestly it was like quite, I think quite like fundamental to the whole thing in the end because we, we went on a Friday night we went for a camp camping in the woods and I just remember thinking this is how a horror film starts this is like <laughs> these are all the serial killers and we we went camping in the woods in Wendover and 
we Dave said everyone like say something about yourself going around the circle and I just remember being like I'm gonna run around the country <laughs> and I just expected them to all like heckle me but everyone was like great just like Anna had been they were like amazing that's a great idea mm. and I met some of on that night I met some of like today like my closest friends we've always kept in touch and when and by the time I got to actually setting off a few months later the kind of Facebook group for the S tribe had really grown and it was really becoming this community all around the country. And as I ran around, just so many people from it came and ran with me, stayed with me, like hung out with me. A few times when I was having a bit of a meltdown, I called Dave, who'd obviously done all these adventures and really got what I was going through. And and it was just so amazing to have this support of like from people who I think were like genuinely excited and didn't think, oh, you don't know what you're doing. And if anything, kind of found that more exciting. Like you don't know what you're doing great go and find out and I it was yeah like so nice to have that support yeah and it yeah. almost like when I was writing the book it I kind of hadn't realized quite how many of the people who I ended up staying with and meeting and like I said some of my closest friends came from that yes tribe until I sat down to write a book and I felt like I was mentioning them in every other paragraph oh that's lovely like you've you it, it basically found your tribe this is your tribe <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, if anyone is thinking about going to do anything like this, the Yes Tribe are very much in full swing and um, a great place to kind of meet like-minded people, really. And the, the, the other thing I wanted to bring up, because this is also mentioned throughout the book, is, I'm sorry about this, <laughs> <laughs> cows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> terrified of them. <laughs> so I don't think I realised how scared I was of cows before I set off. I don't even know if I was that scared of them. But it almost just, it just, again, became like a bit of a mental block the whole way through that I just was terrified of them. And I'd go in any amount of detour to avoid them. I'd go like over barbed wire fences, electric fences through ditches. I did quite a bit of trespassing. I'm sorry, farmers, to avoid (laughs) cows. And I don't... And I still am terrified of them. Last week, I was I was walking the Cumbria Way with a friend, and uh, we got to a field of cows, and I just, just like stood still. And it wasn't until a whole group of other walkers came to sort of escort me through that I was going through. And Tana, my friend, said that I almost get like a new personality in a field of cows. She's like, "You're one of the most adventurous people I know." But as soon as we see a cow, you just become pathetic. And a, a cow phobia. Yeah, it's called bo- bo- bovine phobia. Phobia, I think. And not one has ever tried. I know that cows obviously can be a bit erratic, and they, and they, especially if people have dogs, they do hurt people a bit. But not one has ever tried to hurt me. Yeah, I'm yeah, but they are big. I think it's understandable. Uh-huh. They're big, and yeah, and they're everywhere. They're the worst thing about going outside. <laughs> yes, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, did, did this phobia exist before you went on your run, or or did it develop? I don't remember it existing, but then also I just hadn't spent a lot of time going through fields of cows on my own before that. So I don't know really. Um, But yeah, I just, uh, the fear is still out of hand to this day. Although Mm. I did stroke one on the other side of a barbed wire fence last week. There was like a lot of protection between us and it seemed quite friendly. So Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'll get You know, they've got pretty eyes, but they also have massive teeth. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I've got no tips for anyone else scared of cows because I'm still terrified of them. (laughs) Um, But, oh, well, talking about tips, I mean, because you were saying that. So Anna Anna helped you. And I know that you you mentioned in here that you chose your kit and stuff, sort of basically based on a list of kit that she put down. Yeah. Did you you make any mistakes with your kit? Is there anything that you would have changed or you'd tell anyone to, to do differently than you did? Yeah, I think the main mistake I made was the backpack. So I used a, I used an Osprey pack, which really is meant was meant to be a hiking 
bag it was um so no offense to the pack itself mm. but I just got the worst chafing but mm. also um when I was kind of looking at that there didn't seem to be as many like there were obviously you could get like hydration vests but there didn't seem to be quite as many like now there's some really great like specific running bigger packs for things like when people do things like marathon sarbs and whatever yeah. and um when i look i looked at the time i just yeah i just followed anna's kit list and i couldn't find like tons of great options even though yeah it really wasn't that long ago but um yeah so i definitely wouldn't use the pack i used because it ripped my back to shreds i mean i will say i do still get like I, I just seem to have quite like chafable skin when I run with a pack now I do get a lot of rubbing still but that pack was the worst oh, <laughs> so no. I definitely wouldn't run with that again okay yeah fair enough <laughs> um and so it'd be interesting to talk about the book the process of writing the book yeah. um and I know that you were writing it well I think you were writing it in lockdown is that right yeah it feels like the biggest lockdown cliche to say but I it was about it was April of last year and I got put on furlough from my then uh day job and um I just I kind of liked the idea I've wanted to write a book for much longer than I wanted to run around the country and I kind of always thought I'd write a book about it and I'd been in touch a bit with the Summersdale the publishing company of who ended up publishing the book and I kept saying to Debbie the editor I was like I'm writing and I I wasn't writing and this went on for five years (laughs) and then when I got put on furlough and I was literally stuck at home but getting paid I was like if I don't do it now I'm never going to do it I've literally got no excuse um so yeah I had a go at putting pen to paper and then um so yeah that was kind of last year and then eventually set off a proposal I emailed Debbie I realized the last email I'd sent her had been in 2017 and I was like hey <laughs> me is there any chance you'd still be interested in the book <laughs> and luckily luckily they were yeah oh cool and, and kind of going through it I know it's a memoir of your experience but it does feel very very personal in in places did it feel quite cathartic to write were you worried about putting so much of yourself out there yeah, I feel like I'd say I'm definitely more worried about that now I realise that in two weeks people are going to be reading it. <laughs> but I think I think I didn't want to write it unless I felt kind of ready to be quite honest about the whole experience. Like I didn't just want to write this really like sugar-coated adventure book. And also I wanted to write something. I think like you kind of said earlier, quite often people doing these big adventures and stuff are kind of a bit older and like a bit of a different place in their life and I kind of wanted to write something that might appeal a bit more to somebody else kind of in their early 20s feeling a bit lost thinking about doing something like this and there was kind of yeah there was kind of a lot of other stuff going on at the time and I just yeah I didn't want to write the book unless I could be quite honest about it but it's still every time I remember bits of it or anytime anyone reads it and they're like it's really honest and I'm like oh gosh <laughs> isn't it so definitely feel a bit scared about that but I think I don't know like I when I read other people's books I think they I think it's a good book when it is really honest and I didn't want to only tell half the story so yeah I thoroughly agree like it it feels way more real than lots of other running books I've read which you know, sometimes you can read a memoir, which is more to do, which is part memoir, but part kind of instruction. Yeah. And this felt, you know, diary with kind of hints and tips kind of thing. But I, I loved, I loved the, the personal stuff. It just, it felt really real. It just yeah, felt really. Yeah, um, when we were kind of having conversations about like the book cover and marketing the book and stuff, I think that was something I was quite, I was really 
adamant that I didn't want us to kind of market it as a real like running book because I was like I think people will be dis- there'll be some people who will read it expecting like a manual of how to run around the country and they'll be really disappointed and then the people who might actually want to read it for the other bits won't pick it up because they'll think oh it's just a running book so I think I just strike that balance was like something we talked about a lot basically yeah yeah um and this is the question I've been wanting to ask right from the minute that I found out about you and I found out about you on how did you get Sir Ranulph Fiennes to quote on the cover? Um, I literally don't know. So basically, <laughs> um, Debbie, my editor, asked me to write a list of anyone I might want to do an endorsement for. And she was like, you can say like as big as you want. Like we can always email. They might say no, but, you know, worth a shot. So I put some like quite rogue people down in there. I had a dream that Dawn French did an endorsement. So I was like... I'm going to put Dawn French down. She obviously didn't email us back. But, um, <laughs> so I put some like quite, I put like some like fairly like safe bets and people like, a few people I knew and then, yeah, some quite, some like big names. I was like, oh, they're never email us back. But I think, I think our publishers had had, because they do quite a lot of adventure books. I think they might have been in touch with him before and he came back and said he was happy to put his name to some words. So yeah, that was like the best day ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> he knows who I am. <laughs> so yeah i was very excited about yeah, that ranel finds knows who you are it's i, was yeah. like, I wasn't playing it cool at all <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, that's amazing <laughs> um and like you're you're back you know you've been back for many years now you've, you've you know you stopped this a few yeah. years back. um but you're still running aren't you mm-hmm. i think and um because oh again with my instagram stalking i think i might have this wrong but are you being coached by carla molinaro uh, I was. I did a um, six. I did a sixty k kind of virtual ultra um, as part of a thing with Ultra X. who do lots of multi day races. So a group of us got coached by Carla, and she is great. Um, and then since then, I've kind of yeah. I've had, well, I've been running quite a bit, but nothing too structured. But I keep meaning to emailing Carla, like, will you have me back? <laughs> <laughs> she is just ten out of ten human. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's that's nice to hear. Um, so. What have you done since you've come back and, and what are you going to be doing next? Yeah, so I think it took me, when I finished, it kind of, I think everyone talks about like the post-adventure blues and I was like, mm. oh, fine. And then I I think the thing I struggled with when I finished was I was like, all I've done for 10 months is do this run. I didn't really have anything else going on in my life. Like I didn't have anything else to talk about. That was just all I'd done. I suppose normally you like, I don't know you go to work and you have hobbies and friends and relationships and whatever and I was just running so when I finished I was a bit like lost because like that focus was kind of taken away and I also I don't know I just didn't really want to like talk about it or so I basically spent a year not really running um I like, moved back to London just spent a lot of time going to the pub with my friends not really doing much and then um I eventually I well I got an injury and I my leg really hurt so I did a few sessions with a running coach in the bid that he would like teach me what strength stuff to do to not get injured again mm-hmm. and he started writing me a running plan and we really like started from basics again this would have been about 18 months after I finished like running 5k's and and then I think by virtue of the fact I was paying him I went religiously on every run he told me to even when it was like I had a really busy day and I'd like have to get up at 4 30 in the morning to do it I became a bit obsessed with ticking off these runs of my plan and this was about three years ago now and I think as part of that it really did kind of cement running as a bit more of an actual habit in my day-to-day life in a way that it hadn't really been before I'd either been doing this huge adventure or skiving off of every run I was meant to go on and and since then really like I just 
I just love running like more and more every time I go out. Like I think I like running so much more now than I did when I was running around the country. And it's a huge, it's like the backbone of my whole social life. Most of my, when I moved to Bristol, I was like, it's fine. To, I'll be fine moving to a new city because I'll just join a running club. And that's literally how I've made all my friends here pretty much. Um, so yeah, I've done, and I've done a few like, I've done quite a few like several day things that like we've run the West Highland Way and the Ridgeway and the Tour de Mont Blanc because of kind of smaller adventures. Mm. Um, and to be honest, the whole time since I finished until quite recently when I went self-employed, I've had like a nine to five Monday to Friday job and been trying to fit adventures in around four or five weeks of holiday a year. Um, and I do feel really strongly that you can do a lot with your holidays and your weekends and you don't have to quit your job and take 10 months <laughs> off to go on adventures. Um, but I think I find it at the point where I feel ready to maybe, I don't know, go on a longer run again. I definitely don't want to go on a 10 month thing, but I don't know. I'd like the idea of doing something for like a few weeks or um, I don't know, a month. So I think I will go on a long run again at some point, but I don't know what it is or when. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I won't hold you to any of that. <laughs> do you have any um any do you have any races in the diary? When I say races, I mean, you know, kind of ultras or anything like that. Yeah, I've actually got I'm doing the Ultra X Mexico race, which is five days through the Copper Canyons in November, if we wow. can go, which I'm so excited by because I read Born to Run. Um before I went my run, like a lot of people have, and that's obviously all set in the Copper Canyons in um Mexico and I'm so excited to go and run through them so fingers crossed that will happen and then next May I'm doing the Cape Wrath Ultra which feels really scary it's 400k over eight days from Fort William up to Cape Wrath and it was meant to be in 2020 then it was meant to be this year and now it's um going to be next year so I really need to get training for that because it's quite a lot long distances each day so a bit nervous but um I'm like, I think and I think I guess like, through doing the run around the country, I sort of like I, I know that I'm all right at just like plodding along and keeping going and not giving up. But I haven't really done anything that involves doing like super long distances each day. So I'm excited to have got the Cape Wrath Trail, basically. <laughs> and are you do, are you doing both of those on your own, or are you having? Is there anyone running with you? Um, I'm doing. I've, I've got a friend that I'm going to Mexico with, but she's way faster than me, and we probably won't run a single step together because she'll be <laughs> ahead immediately and um yeah Kate Rath is an organized race but I um I don't know anyone else doing it so I'm sure I'll meet some people there <laughs> yeah well as yeah as we said I mean ultra runners are, are lovely people yeah. so I think you'll be okay and and they do tend to share their snacks right so um, they tend to share their snacks as well yeah so. definitely <laughs> and also like quite a small community I feel like you turn up to these things and there's always someone you know vaguely know yeah <laughs> or at least have stalked on Instagram <laughs> yeah yeah I do quite a lot of that oh that's just so exciting it's so exciting so can you just before we say goodbye I want to know what your the rest of your training is going to look like in the next week Oh, the next week. So yeah. I, well, I did the, Cumbria, well, I hiked the Cumbria Way camping it last week. So not running, but I'm just sort of taking it a bit easy this week to um, recover from that. Um, and I have my COVID injection today. So <gasps> I'm going to all right after that. Um, but I went for a run with a friend the other day. And for the rest of the week, I'm actually going home at the weekend. So my dad's roped me into a 16 mile trail run on Saturday. So <laughs> I'll do that with him. Fingers crossed I'm feeling all right. <laughs> oh that sounds absolutely perfect yeah yeah <laughs> Will that be around is that around Bristol no in um, my parents are in Northampton and my oh, dad's still in trail route that he's quite excited to show me and the best thing about running with my dad is he always carries all the snacks and I don't have to take anything so <laughs> I love running with my dad <laughs> <laughs> oh that sounds lovely I hope you have fun thanks <laughs> 
Come back next week for a massive slice of Esther and Holly chat in the workshop. This podcast was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than £2.95 a month. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPod at the checkout for your discount. Happy running. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.